My name is Andrew Wormsley and you're listening to episode 160 of Photography Insights. This is the show that interviews people from the photography world. Today I talk with a fellow countryman and one who even has the same name. So that's two Andrews for the price of one. What a bargain. Some of you film fans will know Andrew Bartram from his podcasting on both the Lensless podcast and the large format photography podcast. He's one of those genuine souls you find in the community who doesn't mind helping anyone. And after working in the same industry for 40 years, Andrew felt like a change and now he's spending some time teaching through his latest venture, Fenland Darkroom. Personally, I think it's a fab thing to do and he's hitting a group of people that often miss out. So listen out why. I mean his experience with various types of film, cameras up to large format, different processes like tin types and decades in the dark room. And Andrew is frequently found on social media, helping out and blogging on his own website too. So in this one we talk about workshops, pricing, washy film, memory killers, also film, x-ray film, contact prints and collecting and of course there'll be links to both Andrew's podcasts, his website with his blog and his Instagram so do check those out before you move on to this week's episode we'd like to thank the friends of the show Steve at Cromer, David Filmdev and Peter Staticage as always and some recent news for you all and this week we have a little bit of good and we have a little bit of bad. So I just wanted to start off with the not so great news. So there was a uh, guy called John Whitmore. I managed to meet him um, at the photography show a couple of years back at NEC. Fabulous guy. Um, a lot of us know him through his YouTube channel, um, The Dark Shed. And he was always online helping others. Uh, and unfortunately, I woke up on Monday to find out the news had passed away in his sleep. And obviously, there's a big gap. Um, he was a fellow podcaster. Um, he'd actually been on my show, but he was um, part of the crew at Sunny 16 Podcasts. It's been a fabulous podcast for years. There's been a few hosts. And obviously they were distraught over the news. And obviously um, friends like um, Steve Cromer are very upset as well. And like many in the community. So it was a very, um, very sad day in that sense. I think it's nice just to take a minute out and to think about John and what great work he did. Um, he was an avid guy in the dark room who just tried different things. Um, he wasn't always successful, and he talked about this and showed his work on uh, YouTube. Uh, and he was playing around with different ideas, how to keep earning money um, through his scenes and things like that. Um, he's going to be very missed, so yeah. And now for the other news. Uh, I know some of you know I've had a bit of time off work from my day job, and I've been in the dark room. It's really been great to be back and playing around with ideas. I would never know how to classify my work or what I do. I have a very liberal approach to my art. 
Sure there is some science, but most of it is experimenting. And recently I played with things like perspectives, I tried like montage mirroring work, I used some blue dye and some old paper. Now this week's got me thinking um, about the start room side as well, so let's see where that goes. And obviously you'll find out more later on in this episode from one of his suggestions. And one other little interesting bit of news was the um, washi project that's been running. So this is the one I run with Lowmaker uh, Washi Film. Um, for those who don't know, it is the smallest film company in the world. Lowmaker was a guest on the show. Absolute fantastic guy, fan, um, mad inventor. Creates a lot of um, different films out there. And just a genuinely good person. So I came up with this idea of this project. So what we've been doing is sending off a one-shot camera that Lomig put together with a 72 exposure ability with his film. And we also sent that around to various people, uh, a bit in the UK and some in France. And that accompanying that was an original tape cassette recorder. The idea was you just um, said who you were and where you were from sort of thing. Finally, the pictures came back and I'm really, really pleased to say that um, the images came out. Um, I think there might be a couple missing where we had a, a little bit of an issue. Uh, a couple were light leaks. But just remember, this is technically a one-shot camera that was taped up to this, um, you know, to survive posting between our countries. Uh, it went back a couple of times um, because we thought we had a problem with it, so there might be some double exposures there. Um, but I'm really pleased at how well it came out, to be honest, for such a cheap little thing. Um, it was a really fun thing to do, and yeah, it costs a lot of work for me. Um, but that's life as part of why I do it. So hopefully I'll put an article together that very soon once the tape recorder's back and I've um, uploaded some of the audio as well. So let's see how that goes. And I know people will ask in already for the next thing, but um, I'm probably going to take a break from doing things like that for a while. Um, while I focus on a bit of my dark room and things like that. But you never know with me, so do keep watching out on social media. Uh, and obviously, anyone who wants to help me and get involved, there's many, many ways you can do that from uh, following me on social media, um, leaving me a review on places like iTunes, Facebook, um, Google Maps. Um, anyone who wants to um, donate money, there's obviously the Ko fi page. Where you can donate anything um, really small upwards. You know, if you wanted to send me film, if you wanted to send me paper, if you wanted to send me a zine or a book, I'm very grateful for anything. Everything um, is really useful to me. So, yeah, well, let's uh, move on to this week's show and away uh, our lovely guest, Andrew. Thank you. 
and welcome to the show, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> it's going to get confusing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, and I have to talk about lovely things, aren't we? We are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as a fellow podcaster, um, <laughs> I always found it interesting um, to talk to people in that sense because you've experienced the same things as me, but you've come in from different angles, um, obviously large format. I know when I first picked up my large format, I couldn't even open it apart, so it was like a, a press camera one. And mm-hmm. I was confused by that. And then I was like, I have no idea actually how to work this. So it was very much a bit of fun and play, I'll say. <laughs> well, you know, it's um, l- large format is fairly new to me as well. You know, I'm like, okay. I, I found myself co-hosting the large format photography podcast, but that was just a quirk of accident really <laughs> simon simon forster got in touch with me because uh, he'd seen me or heard me or saw a tweet or something i don't know hmm. and he he was under the um the, he was under the illusion that i knew what i was talking about <laughs> 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 and so the prem the premise of the large format photography podcast was simon would be the 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 kind of ignorant one you know and I say ignorant in the in the nicest sense, you know, the one with not much knowledge who wants to find out more and understand. And I'd be the wise old, uh, mm. wise old owl answering answering the questions. Well, um, we soon realised that we couldn't sustain a, a regular podcast on that basis, so we quickly moved over, as you do, to uh, to the guest format. You know, because mm. there's there's only so much sort of stuff you can talk about just yourselves, isn't there? And and we yeah. don't want to be talking about different types of camera. There's plenty of podcasts out there. Uh, talk about cameras and whilst um yeah i I like old cameras i'm not obsessed with them Uh, i'm much more interested about ideas and processes and thoughts Hmm. and why people do things so that's the way the large format photography podcast uh, developed i mean i do find myself now teaching a bit of large format photography and it's only when you start teaching anything you understand um, you start to get a better understanding of it yourself you know or you quickly realize how much you do understand or how much you don't mm. so yeah i'm fairly new at it as well okay yeah, even though i've been at it for you know nearly 40 years <laughs> 40 years cranky I, I mean i can't imagine it um because it's such a short time for me and i know how passionate i am to learn um so it hasn't stopped me. I think what I did was when I got it, I sort of put it away. because so I don't think I was ready for it at that time. And then recently I've had a few mates um, get interested in it. Um, and that's why I got it out and I thought, I'm going to do it my way. So my approach has been to use um, orthofilm from the States. And my God, that is totally different. <laughs> Have you used it? Well, I use X-ray film, which um, right. has is orthochromatic as well, so it's not sensitive to the red end of the spectrum. That's is that the same mm-hmm. as what, the sort of film you're talking about? It's like Ilford's ortho uh, film. No, it's not, no, not at all. No. no, it's literally the highest contrast film you've oh, ever seen right. in your life. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's either black or white. <laughs> yeah, all right. Now I'm with you. Yeah, no, I've not used yeah. that. So that'll that'll take a. I'm sure you probably can tease out some tones, can't you, with careful handling? Apparently so, yeah. Um, w- when I got it, um, I'd seen 
only one person ever on YouTube or write anything about it. Hmm. And he produced some amazing tones with it. Um, uh, very low yeah. key. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's very cheap to buy. It's literally the cheapest film you can buy. So I thought, better to start with something like that. But actually, it's probably the worst because it's so hard to get a result. Yeah, it might be cheap, but you, you can easily be dis, disheartened, I guess, if you're not getting results that you know you can use. Yeah, so I, th- I think I'd probably not thought about it originally. So when I bought uh, Medium Format, um, at that point I went printing, so nothing really mattered. It was just more important about shooting. But as you get into printing in the dark room, you have to think about, right, how am I going to get a print? So, of course, when I started using 4 5 last year, I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this bloody massive negative now? I'm, there's nothing I can do in the dark room. Mm, well, yes, um, you can you can contact print it, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you, you see, you need to park that ortho stuff, and it's fun for experimenting, but, yeah, you know, I mean, get a get a pack of foma pan or something i mean people will, i have done yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's fine you know it it can be a little bit contrasty but at least you you can get a you can get a negative that you could make a contact print with you know neil mm-hmm. uh, we were chatting about neil piper before mm-hmm. uh, before we went live and neil came here as my first guinea pig for for my workshop okay. and he made some we made some enlargements of a photograph he, he made in the in the fens, and then he did some contact prints. And actually, the contact prints were beautiful. You know, I mean, Edward Weston used to used to contact print everything. You know, and okay. he would still be masking and shading. And because the negative is in direct contact with the paper, you're getting just beautiful tonality. You know, and so contact printing is, um, and you can just get rid of your enlarger and have a light bulb. Oh, that's interesting. But at least if you've got your enlarger, you can still use you can still use contrast filters to help you yeah. um, manipulate the image. But yeah, you so you can contrast if you've got a four by five negative, you can make contact prints, which are just beautiful little things, or you could make uh, use them for cyanotypes, you know, or salt yeah. prints. So you don't necessarily need a four by five enlarger, but impossible, not impossible. Um, uh, Intrepid are coming out with. Uh, uh, four by five in larger, so um, jump on that bandwagon, maybe. Yeah, because obviously, when you're contact printing, all you're doing is size to size, isn't it? There is no enlargement. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, so Edward Weston would use an eight by ten camera and make eight by ten contact prints. You know, <laughs> and sometimes I've got an eight by ten pinhole camera, but I don't, uh, which I use X-ray film for. You know, you use hmm. ortho, and I I buy uh, X-ray film, and I I was given a pack recently as well so i've got enough x-ray film to probably last me till the end of my days um and so that can be hard to handle but i don't it's not as hard to handle as what you were describing you know x-ray some x-ray mm. film is double-sided so it's got an emulsion on both sides yeah and that that can um, but you can i've made some beautiful eight by ten negatives with it and i contact print those because i'm i don't have an eight by ten enlarger mm. it all starts getting silly doesn't it you know how big mm. do you go and what do you do with no, I think, well, should I go to an 8x10 camera? And I think, well, not really, no, because, you know, 4x5s 
big enough. I'm not making huge enlargements, you know. So, you hmm. know, a twelve by sixteen, even a twelve by sixteen print from a from a four by five is is not that many times, you know, in terms of magnification. Hmm. So, an eight by if I had an eight by ten camera, then I'd I'd only con make contact prints or maybe use it for um, salt printing or cyanotypes or something. And it's so big to carry around. And those film holders are so expensive, aren't they? Everything is. Yeah, I think everything's expensive. Yeah. You know, just unless you use, use X-ray film or um, hmm. all that weird stuff you're using. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you have to, you're in the realms of being extra careful, aren't you? Because the film is so sensitive. Uh, I've heard about X-ray. It's so sensitive to scratch and um things like that. well yeah so i i was recently given a box of single-sided x-ray film um, <laughs> which has got a notch code in the top just like traditional uh, large format film so you can tell which side the emulsion is so i've not used mm. it yet so that should be okay because i can tray develop it with the emulsion side facing upwards yep but with the x-ray film what i do is um I follow the advice that James Guerin gave me. James is the the man behind reality so subtle pinhole cameras. And James James makes beautiful pictures with Fuji HRT um, or HRU. It's the same thing. Uh, blue sensitive or green sensitive. I think it's much interchangeable. X-ray hmm. X-ray film, and it's double sided. So you have to be careful and it can be quite contrasty. So I have three eight by 10 trays with sheets of four millimeter glass four mil because it is, it's thicker than picture glass. So it won't break so easily. And I, I line the base of my trays with this glass. And then I use a dilute, um, Rodanol developer one to a hundred because that's what James does hmm. and set the timer for five minutes. I slide the x-ray film up, so I've got a red light on because it's orthochromatic, so it's not sensitive to red red light. Um, slide the x-ray film into the developer, and I give it one gentle rock, and I leave it sitting there for a minute. And after a minute, I take the x-ray film out, turn it over, slide it into the developer, another minute, three minutes, turn it over, up to five minutes. And then I hold it up to the safe light and see what it looks like. And if it's not contrasty enough, um, I can um, either carry on developing or next time I'll use a stronger dilution of developer, you know, so make the developer a bit more active. Yeah. But generally speaking, don't agitate x-ray film too much because the contrast will, you know, shoot off the scale. Uh, but if you're using a lot of, if you're using these negatives for alternative processes like cyanotypes or salt printing, for example, or other things like platinum printing, then that denser negative, um, denser and or contrasty, maybe not always both of them, but generally a denser negative, often a contrasty and negative, are useful for those pr alternative processes. So you can hmm. take your x-ray film and you can be a bit more vigorous with it and increase the, uh, the print density and increase the contrast. And then it, it lends itself a little bit better for some of those alternative processes but yeah check out james uh, if you go to james Guerin's uh website uh, see some of the cyanotypes he's made using um 
using x-ray film as the negative and it's uh, yeah yeah so it can be a bit quirky it can be a bit quirky yeah. but but it's you know it's also cheap it's going up in price i suppose as dentists stop using it i'm guessing you know yeah it's funny that we're using stuff from like different um worlds into um you know you, you, people talk about you know the only reason film exists is because of the movies and you know everything could change within a couple of years you just don't know do you no no um certainly with color film it's probably the main reason why it's still going isn't it a lot of a lot of filmmakers dug their heels in and said to kodak we want to carry on making movies with uh, with, with with 35 millimeter film or whatever hmm. and so you know we have all the kodak vision stuff and the movie stocks that we can we can use if you want if you want to but it's hmm. good to see other companies like uh, oro in you know developing hmm. they've been around for since the 20s and 30s and now they're developing their own color film as well and Hmm. Know, so it's. I, I just hope that for as long as I want to carry on using film, I still can. Because once hmm. I can't, once I can't, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I've got enough negatives going back to the eighties to keep me busy in the darkroom. So hmm. you know, as long as I can make some kind of image on something using some technology, you know. And there are folks out there using um, all sorts of things to make images with, you know plant-based materials yeah <laughs> so, so you know who knows yeah exactly yeah you've, you've just when I mean, you can't sit and worry about the future in that sense you've just got to go along with it at the end of the day we don't have the power to change this all you can do is no have a voice isn't it yeah and if so if a film is discontinued um you know companies have their reasons for doing that um mm. But I, I certainly wouldn't advocate going out and stocking up your freezer full of it. You know, just enjoy it while it lasts, and then move on and support somebody else. You know, yeah. Because it's only by supporting these companies that are still investing in in this hobby of ours, it's only by supporting them that we give anyone a future in it. You know, if you if all you do is fill your freezer up with discontinued film, hmm. then um, if yeah, if everyone did that, then you know, no one was buying new stuff, then the companies would go out of business. Exactly. I mean, when I first started, I didn't even have a fridge. There was no point. Whatever I bought, I shot. Uh, and I'm pretty much like that now. I mean, if I look at my fridge, there's not a lot left in it. Um, no. But that's not a bad thing. It proves I'm actually doing something. I think in the UK as well, unless you're... Yeah, I th- if you buy you buy film in the UK and just keep it in your you know, in your house somewhere, as long as your house is not like a sauna, hmm. you know, it's mostly fine. You know, you're, you know, whether hmm. things need to be refrigerated quite so obsessively as as we think, I'm not so sure. And of course, it can cause problems with medium format film where you've got cellulose. Um, or acetate in contact with paper you know you can get condensation issues if things aren't properly warmed up hmm. you know or if the film is stored incorrectly yeah, so fridges yeah. can be fridges can be problematic having said that i've got a fridge and keep stuff in there because 
everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine, mine came out of necessity. Um, we got a um, tortoise, and they hibernate in fridges. They do. I know that. Yes. Yeah. So that's why we got one, and I was like, "Ooh, I've got somewhere to store my beer and film now." So <laughs> and tortoise. And yeah. um, Ruth Story, who's Ruru, maybe on Twitter. Um, her tortoise is called, oh, she's going to kill me. What's it called? I want to say Madeline <laughs> or Meredith. It's not Meredith. That's another photographer. It's called, or Ma Maureen. It's called something like that. Anyway, okay. uh, yeah, we go and stay with her occasionally. And yeah, the tortoise lives in the fridge. I had no idea. Obviously, not all year round, but mm. yeah. So she's getting the beer out, and there's a tortoise asleep, you know? Yeah. You, you just have to remember this, like, when you go to fish to get some film or whatever. Um, you don't need to be, you know, super careful, but it's not handy to bang things about, because it wouldn't be nice, would it, to be woken up? Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. I don't... So tortoises, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> we must be getting off the subject. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been really nice seeing, I think, a change in your work. So I think what we should tell everyone first is this new venture you're doing with Fenland. Um, because it's nice to see. Um, I know one of the first photos I saw was a guy smiling and there's some prints behind him. And it's like, that for me is really cool. Mm. Well, look, I've, since I was thinking about this earlier, because uh, I saw you wanted to talk about this, and yeah. you know, I'm happy, I'm happy to talk about the experience of uh, on our own podcast, both the lensless and large format. You know, I can get away with talking about it a little bit, but I quickly get slapped down, you know, by the other hosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, although we did have a, when I was first formulating the idea, we did have a bit of a, I did have a bit of a navel gazing exercise on the LFPP about where I should price this, but that's just, that we'll perhaps come on to that. So I've always hmm. been I've always been a bit obsessed with things. You know, thinking back to a young boy, I was obsessed with bird watching. You know, it was either mm -hmm. all all or nothing for me. I got into stamp collecting and I was obsessed with that for a good couple of years. Uh, skateboarding, I was obsessed with that until as an early teenager. Hmm. Uh, I saw somebody riding a skateboard recently and I thought, should I ask him to have a go? I thought, no, don't be silly. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to break something. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that still. I thought, no, I can't. Um, and it wasn't until uh, 15 or 16 when my dad gave me his rangefinder camera, his fed four rangefinder camera, which I wish I still kept. It, it, it It's not a sought after Russian rangefinder. It's not a, contacts copy or like a copy or anything it's a chunky mm. old you know down the line rangefinder but something something grabbed me at that young age and um I, that was since then since 16 i've just become obsessed with with photography and um i joined a camera club and got obsessed with developing film and you know, this whole new world opens up and the internet was non-existent. So camera clubs were the way forward and well, I wouldn't necessarily recommend camera clubs, but uh, you know, these, these days I'd recommend careful use of social media and groups and Facebook groups. Hmm. But um, 
camera clubs were the only way, you know, back in the back in the eighties of of meeting other sort of like minded people. And there, there was a period of about ten years when I gave up being concerned about uh, entering competitions in camera clubs. And before I got really into social media, there was about ten years when I was just in the dark room and never really interacted with anybody, you know, and. Okay. And this this whole photography community that we talk about, and I've got issues with that word as well, because what what does it mean? Uh, it, it was there would have been people all around the country, I guess, doing things in their dark room and taking pictures, but we never we never got together. So it's the advent the advent of the internet, really, that's helped that. But all this time, I was um, I've worked in the same industry for since I was sixteen as well, so. And after nearly 40 years in the same industry, I was starting to um, uh, suffer mentally from it. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, um, I don't know whether, whether I had a, a nervous breakdown. I, I, I was certainly never diagnosed for it, but there was a time, there was a period when I was, when I was um, snapping at family members, you know, and everything mm. just seemed to be getting me down and it would come out in me shouting at the kids and my wife and and i think the realization came that time and there had to be more to life than this gerbil wheel this hamster wheel that i'd found myself on there were still large elements of the job that i enjoyed doing um specifically the training and the communicating and all the technical seminars i used to go to but there was a large element to it which was just insane and, and it used to drive me crazy Hmm. and and i was falling out of love with it and so i sat down with my good lady with julie and we, and we said well how can we how can we move away how can i move away from this job you know this lifestyle i've had for the last 40 years into something else hmm. and so we spent a couple of years we we sort of put a time said well in 2 years time you just walk away walk away andrew and take a break and have some time um do some printing do some photography, do mm-hmm. stuff, you know, I'm church warden, do some more church stuff. Um, but do that. And then we'll see, we'll see how we go financially and maybe look for some part-time work. So a year ago, last uh, June, I just handed my notice and said, that's it. <laughs> I'll give you, six, I'll give you six months and uh, I'm going to do something else. I, I don't know what really. Um, I can't afford to retire. But uh, hmm. so towards the end of last year, my boss, my new boss, then said, well, how about you still work a bit for us five days a month? Or we might have had a discussion. How many days could you work for us? And I said five. Um, didn't want to do any more than that. So I got, hmm. a con- I got a contract to work five days a month. So that keeps the wolf from the door, helps keep the wolf from the door, you know, and that with and hmm. Julie, Julie works for the NHS. She doesn't earn a great deal. Um, and most months we don't go into debt just uh, but you know hmm. so i thought well what about photography how am i going to carry on how am i going to carry on um buying film and paper you know when hmm. any spare cash goes on bills and food quite frankly yeah yeah of course yeah <laughs> um and I th- and it, i don't know where 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 the idea came from but i thought well you know, I've been doing this darkroom stuff for years and years and years. I know a lot about um, exposure techniques and printing and film developing and, hmm. and 
and anyone who comes around to the house, you know, I'll happily take them in the dark room and do some instruction. And I thought, well, what about if I offer um, workshops to folks who perhaps wouldn't otherwise consider going on workshops? Because there's a lot of really fantastic high end people out there offering beautiful creative workshops, you know, and hmm. and and they are, and they're worth every penny, but hmm. they're a lot of money. You know, and, yeah. and I thought, well, th- there's got to be people out there who who want to um, w- want to learn darkroom work, want to learn film processing, want to learn more advanced darkroom work because we can do that. Wants to learn some alternative processes, um, maybe wants to do color work, which um, I'll be offering next year. And hmm. and this is communicating the love of photography, communicating the love of darkroom and the processes and the thought process. I mean, I just read book after book of photography books, you know, not on theory, but on, <laughs> on you know, people whose work I admire. Hmm. So just to be able to spend a day or two with somebody, uh, and this is how it's developed over the 12 or 13 or so um, workshops I've given since the summer, hmm. is just sharing the love of analog photography. And it's whatever that person wants to do. And it's at a price they can afford, quite frankly. So, mm-hmm. um, I had, I had a few people said, "Well, you know, if you, you you've got to charge more than that because people won't value it." Well, I tell you what, Andrew, the people who've come on this workshop, they valued it, and nearly all of them have said, "Well, you know, it, it's been priced at just the level that um, means I can come to it." You know, and it's hmm. uh, you know, I've had folks who'd not done any darkroom work, and teaching somebody for the first time darkroom work um is is just a joy you know and it realize i realized that over the years you know a lot of my job has been communicating with people a lot of technical people and a lot of people um Hmm. a lot of people who had no technical knowledge i'd have to try and talk i'd have to try and communicate quite a complex subject for the job that i did into simple terms that people would understand you know and so i've taken i've taken that sort of skill that i've learned over the years from my day job and just take it into my passion for the last 40 years, which is analog photography and, <laughs> uh, and darkroom work. And yeah, you've, if you've seen the happy smiley faces of folks who've been there, it's been a, it's been a real joy. And so, you know, they just pay me a little, little bit of money so I can go out and buy more chemicals and paper basically, and don't have to take bread off my wife's table. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's great because I totally agree with everything you're saying. I mean, there are workshops by, you know, absolute masters, uh, and that, that's fair enough. Um, and they charge what they charge. But like you say, for people like me, I can't ever attend workshops. I don't buy cameras. I have no money for anything. I, I'm pretty much the same as you. So when I saw your prices, I was like, Do you know, this is attainable to nearly everybody to be honest and it's it's fabulous man i I can't i can't reiterate it strongly enough really it's it's not it's not meant to be a money-making venture you know the stuff i talk about with folks i I just do anyway you know but yeah exactly but i thought well if if i can um if i can get the love of photography over the love of uh, uh, the love of darkroom work um you know steer somebody 
as I have done over this last summer and autumn, steer somebody from never having used medium format film, never having <laughs> been in the darkroom, or maybe not having been in the darkroom for 20 years, you know, rekindling their their love of it. And, you know, I've developed a, a fairly logical and streamlined process for working in the darkroom, and there's a there's a method to, to how I teach. And, you know, it, se- it seems to work, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a master darkroom printer. I, you know, I can I can produce some beautiful prints, but mm-hmm. you know, and I can take people along that journey and the you know from the from the beginnings to something that is more than acceptable in terms of print print quality. But I'm going to do um, I'm going to be teaching myself color printing over the summer over the winter. Sorry, so I've mm-hmm. mat, I've um, got some paper, I've got some chemicals, I've got uh, uh, my Jobo processor, and we'll uh, we'll see you know so i'll be offering i'll be offering that next year and salt printing i'll, I'll be getting back into salted paper printing uh, so a couple of those processes i might charge a 10 pound surplus or something i don't know but we'll see yeah. you know because some things you start start costing you a bit more money don't they yeah exactly so that, it's been that... it's been great I've, I've learned a lot i think one of the things i was <laughs> one of the things i was guilty of in my bandless enthusiasm because you know i can talk for days on this subject because it's it's my passion it's it's the, it's the, the second love of my life you know mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it consumes my waking hours it really does it can one thing or another this analog photography darkroom work not so much cameras but image making it just consumes me and and if i can get that across to to folks then that that's that that's that makes me happy you know hmm. and if if it can pay for you know for more film and paper then then that's uh, that's worthwhile and folks folks seem to folks so far seem to have seem uh, seem to have enjoyed it no that's good i can't think of a better feeling to be honest i mean I know I don't have your experience, but I taught one of my friends. Um, he just started picking up a film camera, and I said, "Look, I've got this enlarger. I was giving it when I set up. I want to give it to you." Um, I said, "Come over, uh, stay a couple of hours, and I'll just teach you the basics. Uh, but I'll teach you what I know, not what you should learn and read this book and stuff. You know, the real side." And I made him do it all. I, I, I don't believe, because um, I, I know in certain circumstances it's different where uh, an instructor will do something and then you follow him. But for me, it was like, right, you know, you know pick that up, do that there. Uh, see that timer? Um, you need to do this and do that. And, when, you know, he was able to go away with some stuff. Uh, yeah. And the joy you both have into it is amazing. Yeah, I don't think you need to be people it never occurred to me to to offer workshops and you could do it you know you you know if you've you've introduced mm. somebody for for the love of it so you could just mm. market yourself as saying well intro basic introduction to yeah. enlarging you know you know yeah. come and uh, come and spend half a day with me and um i'll charge you know 30 quid or something mm. you know, advertise on your local facebook marketplace group or your mm. village or your village group or your town group or something and 
and I think you'll be surprised, you know, if you've got a little, if you've got love of something and, you know, you may not have um, years of experience, but if you can introduce somebody else to it, you'll be surprised what, uh, you know, people are selling all sorts on Facebook marketplace, aren't they? You know, and, and the <laughs> our village, our village Facebook groups, you know, is full of people offering hmm. to come and, uh, you know, clean your patio or empty your bins and, you know, yeah. supply you with a cake, you know, so yeah. analog photography, you know, half a day workshop, you know, 20 quid, hmm. 30 quid, whatever introduction to darkroom work, you know, they're not going to want to be taught to make Ansel Adams type prints and, um, you know, split grade printing and um, mm -hmm. uh, advanced toning techniques. They want to be able to either take one of your negatives or be shown how to make a make a negative and develop it, mm. and then make a print. You know, but I, I was I was guilty of. Um, I got off off on a tangent, which is very easily done. Uh, of being trying to squeeze too much into a day, really, Andrew. You know, I was. Mm. Um, one, one, the people who have been to my workshops have largely been people of an age because they're retired and they can come during, yeah. they can come during the week i can do weekends mm -hmm. i can do weekends but i don't want all my weekends taken up by workshops when it's about the only time i see my uh, my wife you see yeah so i mean i'm trying to do most of them during the week and so naturally folks have been of an age and i had one guy come and we had such a day i think we developed a film we dried it um, we went through a lot of theory on trying to produce a negative that had good shadow and highlight detail and how you can affect that in exposure and development. We dried it and we went into the darkroom or we'd been out in the fens for a couple of hours, shot the picture, come back, developed it, had lunch. And then we we're in the darkroom and it got to five o'clock and he says, oh, we, he said, well, I'm, I'm just knackered. He said, we're going to have to stop, you know? And I, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, we've, you know, I, my enthusiasm has, has carried me too far. So now, um, now, um, I did actually have to message a guy and said, look, w when we first spoke back in the summer, we were going to go and you know, make some pictures in the, in the fence, come back, develop and print. I said, it's, it, it's not achievable. We need two days. I said, if you want to come yeah. for two days, let's have a day on the talking about the love of photography, about the theory, about um, exposing you to film, how to produce a decent negative for the darkroom. Hmm. And then we can go out and enjoy the fens, the beautiful fens, come back, make some negatives. We'll talk about film developing and the variables and control. And that's a day in itself, you know. And yeah. And if, if you want to if you want to then throw in large format camera uh, movements and manipulating the focal the focus um, you know, by front tilts and the shine plug principle and all that sort of nonsense. If you want to if you want to learn all that, then we definitely need two days, you know. Uh, hmm. the, so it's a whole, it's either a whole day with film and a whole day in the dark room or one or the other really i think that's how otherwise um it's information overload you know i think so yeah and i, I think it's unfair on you in that sense as well because you don't want to get to the point where you're rushing either do you no no not really and i think that was the danger i wasn't i wasn't allowing enough time in the couple of the early ones to um to do much of the darkroom work, whereas some of the later ones where we've just had concentrate on the darkroom, hmm. um, uh, yeah, quasi the, the smiley guy who you saw, who just he brought some thirty-five millimeter negatives. He's a, he's a, a, a scientist in Cambridge, and he brought these hmm. thirty-five millimeter negatives of his family in Ghana, and and he just made these negatives of his nieces. I think they were gorgeous girls, and and he 
you know, I, sh I, I took him through the process of, you know, what the enlarger was, different types of enlarger, how to set it up and how to use my fancy timer. Hmm. And he made, he made some postcards of his nieces and they were just stunning. And if you look on, on, on the, you know, on my Facebook page or on some of the tweets, you'll see who I'm talking about. The hmm. guy standing there of his Ghanaian nieces. And he's going to send them through the post as postcards. You know, what a delight that is to make, make post. You don't need to make big prints, you know, make a postcard contact print a four by five negative onto a postcard. It won't quite fit, but you know, and then send it to somebody, you know, hmm. what a joy that is, you know, join a postcard exchange group, make a print in the dark room yourself and send it through the post. You know, you don't hmm. have to do a lot of dodging and burning, make a print, just anything, just straight print, send hmm. it off, you know, what, what a delight. And he was just enthused by it. And yeah. And that, uh, that grin, when I said, turn around quasi and um, let me take your picture, you know, <laughs> Yeah. No, no. I, I think it's ace. Um, yeah, it's probably true. Um, I probably could just do something like that because um, I did it with a friend who only shoots digital as well. Um, he's never going to shoot film. He's not not you know interested, but he's interested in um, how I shoot, and he always thinks it's it's a really weird thing that you can pre-visualize not only your shot but a print. Um, without using digital technology. So hmm. for me, I think what I would do is um, more the creative side. So for them, we did a print, obviously, but I did it uh, in a creative manner. So we were drawing developer on, um, painting developer and doing stuff like that because he's really creative in Photoshop. So I said, let's do something creative here. Well, there you go. And I've seen you. I've seen the work on your your little ongoing projects on on your on your website, and hmm. you know, and th those sort of ideas you could offer in a in a in a workshop package. You know, I mean, don't hmm. you'll be surprised once you start thinking about it how much knowledge you've got and how much knowledge you've got to share. And hmm. you know, if you if you price it sensibly, there'll be folks out there who'd be interested. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, one one, right, yeah. uh, one guy came here, John Ash. You know, he uh, uh, he came here and um, did a day in the in the darkroom. He'd had no darkroom experience, hmm. and he uh, he offers he got into bookmaking. You know, so him and another mate they run bookmaking classes, and and I've seen some some results on Twitter. And he and the folks who go to his workshops make some beautiful handmade books. You know, photo mm. books. So. You know, I've seen the work you do on your on your website. So you could, I'm sure you could translate those ideas and thought processes and into something you could offer. You know, you could. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, because I, I love this idea of using stuff in your house, and I think it's really beneficial to people like myself who don't have the financial means to buy equipment, but use stuff you've already got. Well, you know, you could uh, play around and make some pinhole cameras out of coffee tins, and you could mm. offer. You could offer. Uh, you know, there's a lady who came on the large format, on, not large format, on the Lensless podcast, uh, Julie Tassander, who's mm, she Dutch, Dutch or Danish? She's one of those, um, mm. not the same. I realise, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, she she runs Airbnb 
creative workshops it, it's a thing you can okay. offer you you can offer yourself as airbnb but have a twist to it where you offer some creative things so it's like a workshop and you you have your airbnb accommodation so hmm. she just shows people how to make pinhole cameras out of shoe boxes or something you know and and you know you take some photographic film make a pinhole make a box that's light tight uh, with some basic calculation or maybe not even worrying about it putting a pin through an aluminium hole she's going to show you how you can get an image on a on a on a piece of paper and go yeah. and develop go and develop it make a contact print of it or use harman direct positive and get a positive and so she runs little workshops on making pinhole cameras and <laughs> pinhole photography you know hmm. and so you know do that it's amazing what you can do in it yeah and that, this that's what I'm... that's done really yeah maybe it should be a bit longer but Oh, what happened oh, there? I don't know. I was just sending you a message saying, oops, I was just talking and thought you'd cut me off because I was waffling. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was just checking my browser and I'm like, no, I can still get to BBC. Mm -hmm. Nothing's gone off. No, it just went. It just went. I was just sat here fiddling with my pencil. <laughs> it's pencil. And uh, yeah, didn't touch anything. No, I didn't. It's still going. Yeah, I'm just watching the counter in the car and it's still going. Okay. okay. Well, you're talking about Dave, aren't you? Yeah. So Dave, Dave just does a wonderful blog, and it's just his thought processes really. You know, whatever mm. whatever he's doing with photography, he blogs about it. You know, and uh, that's a mm. that's another level of dedication. But it's a, it is a great way of of cementing and focusing ideas, I think. And learning to write and communicate is really, you know, is a good thing. You know, we should mm -hmm. do we should do more of it. It's all about writing and communicating. And putting your thoughts down, and yeah, I commend anyone to start a blog or a, yeah, po or think... a podcast for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I, I think you'll um, improve your own knowledge as well, um, and you can articulate it to others. Uh, and that's the best thing about sharing um, film and print and stuff. So yeah, why why not do it? Um, I've got me. I've always liked the idea of doing a like instructional book because i've only seen one dark room book i couldn't understand um <laughs> which, one, which one is that any... which one is that uh it was, is it peter langford or Langham? oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah yep. and there was diagrams for the enlarger um yeah. uh, and he put little colors in okay and michael to, michael you know, langford isn't it is it michael is it michael langford yeah it could be. he does one the dark room handbook i think i've got one Behind me, yeah. I, I bought it recently for a few quid because it had some stuff on color printing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I found that more useful than anything. I mean, to be fair, nothing beats practice, but you do need sometimes someone to give you an idea. You yeah. can do this. You can do that. I learned um, through book. I learned through books. I have to say, you know, and I went on a yeah. couple of early Ilford workshops. Ilford used to run workshops where you could go. They had something called Club Ilford. If you mention this to anyone in Ilford now, the marketing people, they won't know. They won't know what I'm talking about. I might as well be hmm. talking ancient history. But there was something <laughs> called Club Ilford, and they used to send a, a, a magazine, a newsletter, and they would have uh, vouchers to take to a camera shop to get money off paper and films and stuff. And they ran a series of Ilford workshops. And there's a uh. there's a, a very talented photographer who now mostly works in digital and does printmaking called uh, Eddie Ephraims, 
and Eddie started his own book printing business and he produced a, a beautiful magazine well, it's like a book really called AG Photographic not nothing to do with the company that's in Birmingham hmm. um, and and he's still about and he writes for black and white photography magazine and I, and he ran a workshop on toning black and white films and, and, and I went on one of those that was an hmm. Ilford workshop and I learned loads you know uh, I went on hmm. there was a press photographer called uh, Larry uh, Bartlett who I think was a pr- uh, yeah not a photographer he was a printer for the day I'm, th- I'm sure it was a daily mail and Ilford organized a workshop with him and uh, just on printing and I went on one of those you know hmm. and and Ilford were doing actually funnily enough offering these workshops at really just affordable prices so people could access them you know with mm. something they might and thought well you know there's a novel idea god i know i know from talking to andrew sanderson he you know he, he said they educated schools and everything and i've done some stuff with washer film but i've done it over several periods of a couple of years which which washi film sorry i have to ask you um i like s is that the one which is on Japanese paper? Is that washi? No, no. This is um, basically high contrast, no grain. Right. I've, I've just exposed a roll of washi 500D, which I think oh, is D. some kind okay. of is that some kind of aeronautical D. surveillance film? I think. Yeah, it, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. So I've got it sitting in my bag for developing, and I don't know okay. what I'm going to develop it in. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but I have used that. Um, I've got in my fridge. <laughs> I've got some sheets. Sorry, I'm 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 diverting again. I've got some sheets of whatever the when Washi first came to the market. It was all about the emulsion on a thin Japanese paper, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got some four by five sheets of this Washi paper stuff with, mm. and I've exposed one sheet of it, and it was it was difficult. It was difficult loading it into sheet film holders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> without it falling out. Um, yeah. But I mastered that eventually by using a, a clear piece of film on top of it. And then I think mm. um, I think the subject, I, I went out in the fens and made an exposure with it, but then I read somewhere it's actually better suited for maybe architectural work or something. Um, so I've still got most of this washy emulsion, which is coated on this thin Japanese paper. So, mm. And I like the idea of it, but it's... Um, if something's a load of hard work, I tend to park it and maybe come back to it later. <laughs> yeah. So washy, washy S, washy, washy S, and that's high contrast film, you say? Yeah, it's sound recording film. Oh, is so it? Literally right. grainless. Okay. It's really hard um, when you're using your focus finder to see anything. <laughs> yeah. So I think I did that by sight. Yeah. If I remember right. Um, but what I loved about it was uh, I'd done work with models and architecture and then just wrote about um, a little bit about the film and then a little bit about low mig um, and the sort of results you can get and how to control the contrast a little bit um, and show some of my mistakes. Um, well, that's and if you I, – I try and add tags to my blog as well about the – because if someone's searching for – help washy s film you know how do i develop it and they see yeah. one of your tags and and you know suddenly you're reading someone's blog and it's been helpful to somebody hasn't it yeah exactly yeah that's how i've you know found that advice in the past sort of thing so that i'm very careful with tagging as well and i think it 
it was nice um, to put everything together. Um, I love the film because of the grain uh, and the contrast. Um, so I purposely shot some architecture in bright sunlight. Yeah, uh, to see how it came out. Okay, I'll, I'll have to go back and and you. This is on your blog somewhere. Is I've not seen it. I'll have to go. Yeah, back and... yeah. But it's. I think it's my latest article I wrote actually. So... Oh, I saw something on your. Um... Uh, what's it called? The one. Love and hate. No, it's not called love and hate. It's something like that, isn't it? Your ongoing project. Oh, my fear and loathing. Fear and yeah. loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very different work. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I'll have to look at that. Is it suited to that style of what do they call it? Where it's like deep shadows. It's got a fancy word beginning with C, hasn't it? Which I can't pronounce. It's called Chiricasu or something. But yeah, it's a sort of French in there. Yeah. Yes, and I've probably just butchered that name. So <laughs> that um, Hong, I think he's Hong Kong photographer, uh, Fan Ho. Do you are you familiar with Fan no. Ho's? F A N H O. So he. Um, I don't. I don't actually know whether he's even still with us, or if he is, he's probably pretty old, or he mm. might he might be dead. But anyway, he produced these stunning, iconic images of shadow and light in Hong Kong. You know, with okay. steam and smoke and dark shadows and people in shafts mm. of sunlight. You know, he wasn't um, interested whether he had shadows you could see into and highlights that contain zone eight detail you know he was producing these mm. just well, i hesitate to call them soot and whitewash because it's that's a bit derogatory really but mm. they're, they're beautiful high contrast scenes that use deep shadow and and beautiful light to convey this wonderful feeling of hong kong and i guess mm. some some films would perhaps be more suited to that sort of thing and may, maybe that is one of them what you're talking about washy yes yeah, exactly. And it's about using the right film for the right purpose, isn't it? Same as you would chemicals for the right purpose. Mm. Mm. And really, these days, more and more, I'm all about the darkroom and making the print, you know. And I've got stacks and stacks and stacks of negatives. <laughs> I've got American projects that I'm working on, you know, and I'm actually trying not to go out and make any more negatives than I have to, you know. I mean, I still enjoy <laughs> I enjoy that process, you know. I get worried hmm. that I'm building up too many negatives, you know. Hmm. Um, I was listening to Wayne Setzer, who's a, a lovely, uh, a lovely guy. is very active in our large format Facebook group, and also mm -hmm. on the Negative Positives uh, uh, Facebook group. And Wayne was a guest on the Negative Positives Facebook uh, uh, on the Negative Positives podcast. And I asked him a question via email: um, How do you? Um, don't you get stressed by going out and making more and more negatives and building up all the time you need in the darkroom, you know? And he says, no, he says, he says, there'll come a time when I'm no longer able to lug this four by five camera out because I'm just too old, but mm -hmm. then I can go in the darkroom. I know I've got all these negatives I can come back to and print. And he says, and besides, I like being, while I'm able to, I like being out in the countryside with my large format camera, contemplating the world. And it's part of the process, you know, so. I find myself, on the one hand, not wanting to make more negatives, but on the other hand, I love that time out in the fens, you know, with my large mm -hmm. format camera, fishing for images. You know, I, totally. Fishing's a good analogy because I can spend hours and not really end up with anything. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's so true. I suppose, isn't it? yeah. But I've never more, done it, but yeah, it's all it's all about the experience being out there, you know, and hmm. just um, being out there in the elements. Yeah, I, I've talked about this in the past that the, there's a time when you shouldn't take a picture, and that even you know if you take your camera with you. Um, because you might have an intention or you might catch something, it's more important to have the experience than take the photo because often the photos fit other people. Because what do you do? You you know you put it on social media for the sake of others. It's a very interesting discussion that um, I've had at least once on the large hmm. format photography podcast about. I read Sally Mann's book, her autobiography, and I think, yeah, I'm sure it was her. In her introduction, she talks about uncovering boxes of images in her father's attic, hmm. and and how we we often talk about a photograph that is a way of um, helping us remember. But she she turned it around and said, actually, for me, many of those photographs um, have actually destroyed the memory because the memory becomes all about the photograph and that moment and and the more mm -hmm. that photograph takes over in my mind of that moment the more i forget of all the other things around that time and so it mm. becomes all about the photograph and the memory starts to fade um, and that's kind of interesting but uh, and i'm sure there could be lots of um, papers written on it you know with do, mm -hmm. photo do photographs help us remember or do they destroy memories by just becoming a focal point for us and we forget everything else becomes about the photograph and, and the memory starts to fade. I don't know. Mm. I don't know where. Deborah, Deborah Parkin, who um, I'd like to mention, she um, she, she was a, a lovely guest of a few months ago on the Large Format podcast. Hmm. And she, she um, does a lot of work on memories and uh, her past life with a father influences the work and her children and her, her memories of childhood you know comes through strongly in all that she does so there's just so aren't there just so many creative people out there doing really interesting really interesting work yeah it is. and I, I just love it all i love reading about it i love talking to them yeah you know, it's just fantastic you know, i've gone past the point where i'm worried about oh you know i try not to worry about trying to compare what i do to other people i just enjoy the breadth of what folks do you know and, uh, and mm. I just if, if some of their enthusiasm rubs off on me or some of my enthusiasm rubs off on them well that's great yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that because i think initially i think you can get too sidetracked into um, i must do an image like this i must make something that's unique and you can struggle to think how do i do something unique and i i know i struggled with that for years um and i think weirdly enough i only learned through podcasting to look inwards and you know like you're saying the fear and loathing that that came from talking to podcast guests mm -hmm. so it just shows you know influences can come from anywhere yeah and remember there's nothing there's nothing new in photography really most most things have been done before <laughs> by somebody so don't yeah. worry about it just have fun and hmm. use it be passionate you use it and use it to express thoughts if you want to 
use it mm. for fun if you want to you know people can use photography in all sorts of different ways mm. and uh, there's no right or wrong way not really no yeah exactly well uh, all i can say is andrew thank you for that um i think what we need to do is tell everybody where we can find you online now yeah well you can find me on most platforms twitter and instagram um as warboys snapper and you can listen to me wittering on with Simon and Eric on the Large Format Photography podcast um, every two weeks or so. And then on the Lensless podcast, which is supposed to be every two weeks or so, uh, with Corrie Cannon, who's my American podcasting wife. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can find me there and f- Facebook groups, in a few mm. Facebook groups as well. No, thank you for that. Um, and then, obviously, you know I do this pay-it-forward scheme. Um, hmm. So who we got in mind? Well, it was the aforementioned Deborah Parkin, and okay. um, her website is um, deborahparkin.com, I think. Deborah okay. Parkin. I'm fr- I had it up before, and now I've lost it. Oh, there you go. D E B O R A H Deborah Parkin P A R K I N dot co dot UK. So um, she's based in Northumberland, and she just does stunning work. And she was a guest on the Large Format Photography Podcast earlier in the year. There we go. That's cool. Thank you so much for that. So thank you so much uh, for coming, Andrew. Especially at such an art notice as well. No, thank you. You've, um, I was very honoured to be asked. You've got a stunning guest uh, list of people you've interviewed, far more creative and clever than me by the looks of it. So uh, <laughs> I hope I can bring something else to uh, to your back catalogue. Well done. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. No, thank you. Well, at the end of the day, though, mate. I mean, you've do so much as well. So you know, between two podcasts and now your own data. I mean. It, I think it's it's um, the love of it, though, isn't it? Though I can't stress enough the love of mm. this. You know, mm. it's um, I wake I wake up thinking about photography, yeah, and I go to bed thinking about photography. <laughs> yeah, I'm a same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, it, and it, it occupies. It's never too far away. You know, all through my working years, it was never too far away. It was one of the things that kept me sane. One of the things that kept me sane. Yeah, it's def it's definitely useful um, in that sense, and it's something we discuss in my work as well. That you need a another hobby outside, yeah, um, absolutely. And people appreciate what you do as well. I think um, once they start seeing you work out there, um, like even doing like a zine for me was uh, amazing because then people could actually see you can actually take a photo. Um, I mean, there's a copy in my car. Uh, I've never moved it because i always forget and every time my daughter gets in she's sat there looking at it <laughs> and they just think that's probably not a bad thing actually just to keep it in there um so yeah there's all these little memories and for me it's um coming across yourself you know see you know nice positive things you're doing online so for me it was obvious to try and get you on here it's not about um, being creative because you you know you are using your creativity in other ways thank you very much mm-hmm.
Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed um, interviewing. Please don't forget if you want to get involved, I'm starting to put out there on social media uh, the list of guests for that week. You are welcome to submit any questions you want to ask and hopefully I'll read them out for you. Whether you want to do that through Instagram, um, direct message, you can just click, if you click on the direct message bit, uh, there's a button there and you can record and send that right across. Uh, but there's many apps you can do, or email me, or send me a DM on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. That's cool with me. For those of you who want to support the show, please don't forget, uh, iTunes reviews are always appreciated. And obviously I will read them out uh, the following week for you. And I tend to use them on social media. So that's all very much appreciated. If you'd like to help contribute towards the show, then don't forget there's my coffee page where you can submit anything from $1 or upwards. And I'll keep a note on there what I'm trying to achieve um, as the months and years go by. For those who want to keep coming back to the show, don't forget you can just subscribe in your friendly podcast app of choice. And there's a weekly newsletter on my website, flogger.co.uk. So that's P-H-L-O-G-G-E-R. And you'll get an automated email from me. And that tells you each week uh, what's gone up on the website. So it's the podcast and any articles I've wrote. So yeah, thank you so much and I'll see you again soon. Bye.